This is the Purpose Lab. Man, this going to feed right into your show, bro. Everything has a purpose, man. Everything that you do, you, you may not realize it there in that moment, but everything you do has a purpose. It is it's something that's going to come full circle down the line for you. I am Dr. Dia Farnham. Welcome to the Purpose Lab, where we're on a mission to interview the world's most successful failures. And I'm excited about our first guest for episode one. We're bringing out the big guns, the heavy guns. Our first guest is Arthur Hightower, Senior Personnel Director for the Los Angeles Chargers. And he's been working there for 16 years. And he's a not only a wonderful friend, someone who I can contact whenever I'm trying to figure things out but he's also a person who um, has a lot of information a lot of knowledge as it pertains to staying in alignment with your purpose and so I'm excited to have Arthur Hightower here to join us what's up sir how are you I'm doing well how you doing Dr. Arnold Man, I'm doing for now. Oh, so now I'm Dr. Arnold, not Dr. Lovely, huh? Nah, nah, you Dr. Arnold, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we going we going live now. So you Dr. There, there you, you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for being my first guest on the Purpose Lab. So I appreciate you. Man, that's all right. The Purpose Lab. I love that name. Yes, yes. And so what we're trying to do, I appreciate it. So what we're trying to do is we're interviewing the most successful failures. Oh, man. Hey, you got to fail to be a success. So there it is. Talk to me a little bit more about that. How so? Well, and it's like, uh, I'm going to tell you something. My mom always told me nothing beats failure, but a try. Mm. Because if you don't try something, you don't know if you will be successful at it. You don't you don't know if you could do it. Um, So um, the other thing is when. if you don't try it, you've already answered your question. You won't mm-hmm. have that success. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I tell my son, I tell my kids that all the time. You know, if you don't try, you already got your answer. It's no, you won't accomplish it. But if you do try, you possibly could make it or you know what you can do the next time to get there. I love it. I love it. So so those of you who don't know, and we'll do an intro. Um, this is Arthur Hightower. And I don't want to mess up on your title. But right, when I... So, so, cause, cause I just call you owner of the San Diego Chargers. I mean, not San, Los Angeles Chargers. I know I messed up already. Messed up already. Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> there it is, man. I am the senior director of player engagement for the Los Angeles Chargers. I've been with the Chargers since 2005. So obviously that's why you make the reference to San Diego. Uh, started my career there, uh, where I was just the director of player development. And then in this space, the name has changed to player engagement. So I am the senior director of player engagement. And this is going into my 16th season uh, wow. with the Chargers. Yeah, it, it's so funny that you say 16, right? Because I'm 16 years at Grand Valley. And when I first met you, it was through the NCAA. So I did the I did. We must have met just when you got the position there. huh? Yeah. Because so, so, we did the leadership institute. Yeah. And then yep. I ended up leaving. That's when I got this job. And then you're just. So what were you before that? So before that, I was at Washington State University. And That's so what right. was interesting is Walter Moore had did the institute before I did it. And so when I got the job at Grand Valley, I had asked my director, my athletic director, I said, you know, I heard about this, this program that NCAA is doing and I really want to do it. 
but he had just lost Walter Moore to University of Virginia after doing a program. So you can imagine he was like, no, <laughs> I'm not. Do- you can't do it. And so because because so, John Oliver. Yes. Uh, was at Washington State and then yep. went to UV and then, you know, yep. Walter. So he yep. probably was like, uh, uh-uh, I can't use another one. Exactly. Exactly. So so I ended up going back to him and saying, listen, you know, when I got this position, I told you one of the things that I was thinking about is wanting to be athletic director. So I think this will really be a good opportunity. So going through the program, that's when I first met you. And and it was interesting because you're right. You said something key right before graduation. You took a job with the Chargers and just left us. It just left us. Just left us. And sent us a video back. I was there for graduation. I left you nice gifts. You did. I did. You did. I, you, you got your plaque, right? I did. I got my yeah, plaque. Okay. All right. You got your plaque. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, my plaque is on the it's wall on the in the office. There it is. As a matter of fact, I have your class's plaque in my office. I don't wow. even have my class's plaque. My class's wow. plaque at the house. But your Man. class, because that's, that's my reminder. That's like the my last thing that I did at the NCAA before I left. Definitely. You can I just see, gotta I'm, still, say. I'm still like an NCAA move because I always call it the NCAA and everybody yeah. else calls it the NCAA. You know, yeah, so you're right. You're right. You're that's right. My years of training when I was there. Well, there you go. But but once again, I just want to thank you because that right there is when I first met you and really just just fell in love because you have always been my guy since then. So so talk about what do you do? So you work at the highest level, the highest level working with these professional athletes. So so what is your day like? Oh, what is my day like, man? Every day is different. That's what I love about my position. No day is is, is the same. Uh, I just kind of like you, like your title of the show, Purpose Lab. Man, my purpose is to to grow young young professionals into uh, solid professionals into uh, gainful professionals as they move on. Because uh, this position, or this this career, is probably like the best part time career that you know these guys ever have. Uh, a lot of times when they enter into the league, this is like their first actual job. And what I mean by that is one that they get a paycheck from because nowadays maybe uh, difference in errors. A lot of guys, because of how sports is, they, they probably never had a job working McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. And in my case, Kenny Shoe Store, which don't even exist. You know what I mean? So, uh, Tom McCann. So, yeah. Yeah. Tom McCann. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, you you end up they end up getting a this job and it's just like simple things like going over a paycheck, understanding taxes, understanding you know who FICA is. <laughs> because and he wants his money. He wants his money. Yeah, and he gets it every time, right? <laughs> so uh just little things like that and see them come in and sometimes twenty, youngest twenty, um, twenty to twenty three year old young men in their lives and then lead this game as they make it um, past the average years, 30-year-old 30, 30 men with, with families and transitioning into their next uh, career. Because you have, I always tell them your next career will be longer than this career. So um, how do you prepare yourself for that? I remember you saying NFL standing for not for long, right? Yeah, not for long. That's That's the deal. Definitely. So when we talk about purpose, What's your purpose? So you said helping these young professionals leave this not for long and go on and do some phenomenal things in their life because that's where they're going to spend the rest of their life. So so what is your purpose? So when you go to work every day, what are you thinking? I want to think, how do I make an impact um, 
through my life? Like, what what am I giving when I go here? Like, what what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What kind of impact am I making uh, through my presence? You know, and I'm not saying, you know, some, you know, walking there with a golden light around me, but um, obviously that's something that I'm doing that the organization likes, uh, something I'm doing that uh, these guys gravitate to me. Um, because it's a level of trust that you have to build uh, to be able to develop relationships. And I heard a long time ago that one of the best um, tidbits of advice that I got is the uh, my currency that I have on my job is not money. It's not a, it's my relationship. So mm-hmm. that's what I always try to make sure I, I keep in mind is uh, it's my relationship. It's my currency. And now I have a lot of currency. I have 16 seasons of, you know, 50 plus players that make our, our roster, 90 plus players that come in to our training camp. You know, you do the math. That's over a thousand people that yeah. at some point in, in their life have, have currency with. So uh, hopefully they have currency with me because, I mean, I have um, men that reach back to me. Um as they're making a transition, uh, some of the things they go to, unfortunately, have um, guys that um, have, you know, sh- struggled. And, 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 and fortunately, like last week, I had a guy that um, um, passed away. So uh, we just had actually just had a guy pass away this week, too. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've had two deaths of former players within the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I think about what you just said, and I'm sorry for your loss and your organization's loss. But I think about what you just said. You said 90 coming to the camp, but then you said 50, keep 50. Right. So what's the conversation, if any, do you have with those other guys who didn't make it on this squad, but they still have the rest of their life to live? So do you have conversations with them? Absolutely. Um, it's like coming into this offseason. Uh, this one's different because it was done virtually. But I always give uh, I always give it a two day, two weeks and two months uh, speech. And what that is, is that when guys come in, I usually get, and I'm just talking about rookie class, they come in, there are about 27 guys in the room. That's usually, that's the biggest rookie class I've had. And I said, look around, because some of you guys, you have only played professional football for two days. This will be the end of your career. Some of you two weeks, and some of you will make the entire offseason two months, but may get cut early in the training camp. And they listen because they're coming from a college environment. But, you know, they're used to everybody going back to the dorm. But it's that first time when I say, hey, look around. Anybody realize who's missing? Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa, it becomes real. Or And then it's say, hey, who's the guy that that was your roommate? You got a new roommate? Yeah. Now, now it's real. And in some cases, uh, that's the reality of uh, them being able to uh, being told the first time that uh, they um, – they're not good enough, so to speak. And that's something that they're not used to. So um, just letting them know that whatever it is that you're doing now, like you come in planning to be a Los Angeles Charger. That's the right thing to do. Um, if you don't make it here, you still have a goal to play in National Football League. And you can still have that. But after that, what is it that you're going to transition into? What is it about yourself? So getting to know yourself, and what your strong skill sets are, it, it goes a long way. Definitely. So, so who inspires you? Man, who inspires me? Man, I don't think I've never been asked that question, man. Um, 
I know my, my family gives me a good inspiration. Uh, hmm. Man, we might have to come back to that one. Okay. Okay. We'll come back to it. So, and, and the reason why I asked that is because you mentioned your mother and the words that she spoke to you, right? And what you always remember and you always pull from that. And so that's why I asked that question. And then let me, let me, let me ask you something different. What are three things that you tell yourself every single day that keeps you in alignment with your purpose? I tell myself every day. Um, kind of goes back to that, that statement that I tell you, my mom told me nothing beats mm-hmm. failure by the try. So you're going to run into a situation pretty much every day mm-hmm. that you haven't done before. So you got to be, you got to do it. Um, and then something my dad told me, man, he said, find a job you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that. You know, yeah. you see the smile on my face, man. Yes. I, I enjoy what I do. So no matter how bad a day is, traffic, uh, a lot of work, yeah. um, whatever. I mean, you just love what you do. And then um, just uh, sometimes like through a conversation, um, did you? Did you make that impact? Did you reach somebody? You know, you know, and it doesn't even sometimes have to be at work. It can be something simple as um, when I go places um, and I see people with a name tag on, I like to refer to them by their name because, yeah. first of all, sometimes it feels kind of challenging that um, you got to wear a name tag, right? Yeah. And then people still don't refer to you by your name. I mean, yeah. so that goes a long way. So definitely, definitely. It, I don't even know if you knew this. So back when you brought me in to come work with you with the rookie transition program a few years back, mm-hmm. that was prior to me developing this whole power purpose system, because, um, you know, I'm always just striving for purpose. But a couple months before that, I had lost a big contract. I had lost a huge contract with with this organization I was working with. And for about a day, I was a little bit down. But then I said, you know what? It must be something that I'm supposed to do with this whole power of purpose system. Don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to stay in alignment with it. You called me and you said, Doc, I need you to come in and talk to these rookies. And we had been talking about it, right? Right. But it was so amazing that right then it happened. And I had started creating this thing where I knew it wasn't happening to me. It was happening for me. So it was a reason why I lost that, but I let it go. And when you brought me in and you said, I said, what do you want me to speak about? You said, what you got? I said, well, I just came up with this thing called the power purpose system. You said, that's what I want you to speak on. I want you to talk to these gentlemen about the the, the power of purpose and how they need to stay. And when you brought me in, man, it was amazing just meeting all the young men. And I too, like you, I learned from so many people when I had an opportunity to learn from them. And so a lot of times my student athletes say, Doc, man, I appreciate you. And I tell them, I appreciate you, too, because you helped me become a better father, a better husband, a better man. And so I know that's what these athletes are doing for you as well. Oh, yeah. You you grow into it. I mean, when you've been in this position as long as we have, I mean, you think about it. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm going to end up giving up my age when I started this. I was early 30s. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm closer to 50. Like when I was early 30s, the oldest guy in the locker room, uh, we was still older than me by a little bit. 
you know, uh-huh. but we were still in the same age group. And the younger guys, I was more like maybe an older brother or a younger uncle. But yeah. as time has gone on now, at the age we are now, really like a father, yeah. you know, because yeah. they're, they're the same age. So now they look at you a lot differently. So you carry yeah. yourself a lot different. So, yeah. Definitely. You had mentioned relationships. And I remember after I got finished speaking with the rookie, Sean Merriman went after me. Right. And the first thing he hit on was relationships. And he talked to the gentleman about developing those relationships, because not only was the success on the field, but it was the success that he had off the field by developing those relationships. Um, So tell me more about. So I asked you and I'm going to go back to it again. Who inspires you? Who inspires me, man? And do you have an opportunity ever to talk to ownership, to talk to the management and talk to them about maybe some of the things that your athletes that you're working with are dealing with? Man, we're going to be um, chasing that one question again oh, throughout this whole show, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll figure it out um, at some point because that's a question I don't think I really... Um, Never answered or, or, or okay. thought about, to be honest. Okay. Um, but okay. like management, I think management has respected uh, what I've done over the years uh, with our players um, mm-hmm. to the point where I, I think I'm still a one person department. Yeah. I've never had an assistant. It's always just been me. And I think they, um, I would say now my department in a sense has grown to where I have our, our, our team commission. Um, who works close with me, Dr. Herb Martin. Um, I remember meeting team, him. Yep. Our team chaplain, uh, George Gregory, uh, head of security, Bill Stetson, and uh, head athletic trainer, Damon Mitchell. We had like this this hand. That's, that's the five of us. We're the hand, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and where we touch the players in a different way. So I don't have a direct staff, but we yeah. all work together. Um, so I think in that sense, the organization Trust me, I'm able to go and be creative in a sense. I think I gained their respect in that. And also there's respect throughout the league as well. Uh, when you're able to maintain these positions. So we, we can get pretty creative at times with the resources that we have available. All right. So so I want to get in the weeds a little bit because, you know, we talk about we talk about success all the time. And I've always mm-hmm. told people that I study successful people and successful people talk about failures. Right. They talk about how they failed their way to success. Can you talk to me a little bit about failure? I can't. And I was looking for um, uh, the half for this show. Um, but I have a, I have a book of all my rejection letters of the jobs mm. I didn't get. And I mm. kept it. It's like a motivating factor. It wasn't like a motivating, like giving the Jordan uh, Hall of Fame speech motivating, you know, <laughs> coming at guys. And I was just joking, man. I, uh-huh. I like Michael Jordan, man. Uh, but it's just one of those things that kept me going. And the funny thing is now I look back at some of those names and their colleagues or and one of them, he's a good friend of mine. I'm just like, man, you couldn't even give me a gig when I was applying. Uh-huh. But it, it just let me know that um, it only took that one opportunity, man. And it. it took that it took that one opportunity, but everything else was a preparation to get to that point. You know, I had a head coach in college, um, always says, um, you know, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, you know, so to always stay prepared. Mm-hmm. And so luck doesn't just happen. 
either you you were prepared for that encounter, the opportunity presented itself, and you got in there. And so I that's kind of a little mantra or a little saying, one of those little things I give to my uh my kids or people that yeah. you want to encourage that uh that's that's where I am with that. So I love um, it. Yeah, through failure, man, I don't I just I just don't look at I look at failure as letting me know what it is I need to do so I can be successful. Because if I don't, like I told you at the beginning of the show, if I don't do it, I already know my answer. You know, I, I'm not going to be there. If I don't try to do something, guess what? I'm not going to do it. I already know the answer. So might as well try. And if it's something I just don't want to do, then just know that, hey, within yourself, that's not what you're going to do. Definitely. Definitely. I guess this is a great, great segue. I didn't think I would I would go here. But do you remember sending me this? I did. I did. Yeah. And I said, so, I said, I said, all I said, I said, you know what? Listen, I said, uh, I said my speakers that because, you know, one thing that I like to do is motivate. It's the sense uh-huh. of like, I am one of 32 professionals in this world that does yeah. what I do. Right. I'm one mm-hmm. of 32. Um, I feel no different than uh, somebody who runs a country or something like that. Yeah. I'm one of 32. I'm in a special position. And to be able to invite somebody in and give them a, a game ball. Yeah. I mean, everybody sees it. You know, if you're a football fan, you see the coach wave and say, hey, we're going to get this game ball to somebody. And to know that, you know, hey, my man here, he has an NFL game ball. And then when people come to your office, they're like, hey, did you play the touchdown yeah, or yeah. what it is? God, you man, you was able to make impact to, you know, 20 plus guys that are sitting in our room that day. Definitely. So, so my wife got me something to put it in, but yeah. here's something you didn't know about as well. What's Let that? me read this to you, Mr. Hightower. All right. <laughs> you see the letter here, right? I do. That's old. That's, that's old. That's old. <laughs> I, I got to get, get you back, man. We don't even wear blue helmets anymore. Hold on, so hold on, hold on. But, but, but let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. May 9th, 2003. Dear Damon, I recently received your resume and cover letter expressing your interest in working with the San Diego Chargers. Unfortunately, at this time, we do not have any opportunities available. We will keep your resume on file and consider you for any future openings. Thank you for your interest in working with the organization. I wish you the best. Sincerely, Ed McGuire, Director of Football Operations. That is funny because you know who Ed McGuire is now? Ed McGuire, he is my supervisor. He is the person (laughs) I report to, and he is actually the vice president now. (laughs) I I see that. Oh, that is funny, man. That is awesome. But see, like like you, I I keep a lot of those letters. Uh, I kept them all because I just needed that one opportunity, man. And it's crazy because my first opportunity um, outside of when I was interning at the NCAA uh, was at the University of Maine. Now, you think about it, man, like, a lot of of people don't even know where the the state of Maine is, you know, right? (laughs) But that was my first gig. But I'm going to tell you how this stuff comes full circle. We can dive into it more, but I'll just get a quick glimpse. So, uh, I played football in college, Florida A&M. I was safety and safety. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I wanted to uh, go to grad school. I thought I wanted to be a coach. I had a coach at the time, um, Billy Joe. 
um, knew the head coach at the University of Minnesota. I got accepted there for grad school. Made a call, had a um, graduate position there. And one thing you find out, too, is some of the things you don't want to do. And I didn't think I, I, you know, coaching wasn't, I mean, it was cool, but I I didn't think it was me. And I got every glimpse of what I needed to that year. I mean, I seen the whole defensive staff get fired. Uh, Going through that situation, I was like, ah, nah. So I thought I'd be administrator, transfer, complete my studies at Florida State. But then I got an internship at the NCAA. Uh, they moved us out to uh, <clears throat> Overland Park, Kansas. And I'm working, working, doing my thing. And we talked about that preparation opportunity. Uh, I had a gentleman named Sean Frazier. He's the uh, athletic director at Northern mm-hmm. Illinois right now. He comes to me. He's he's watching me at some conferences. He said, hey, man, I like the way you work. He said, uh, I'm going to have a job opening in a couple months. And uh I want you to interview for it. I said, all right, cool. He said, where is it? He said, Maine. I said, what? <laughs> Maine? <laughs> he said, yeah, you know. I said, okay, cool. You know, because at the end of the day, money in Maine is the same as money everywhere. And I just, needed a, I just needed a start. Yeah. So uh, I got the opportunity. I just had my oldest daughter. She was two months. My oldest daughter was born on the internship. My wife and I, they flew everybody out there because it's one of those deals where you know, I had to make sure everybody was comfortable. Yeah, yes. And uh, we we fly out there, man. And I took the gig because I just needed an opportunity to start. I didn't think I would be there forever. But that one position, man, allowed me to be where I am today. Mm. Because I, when I started as academic counselor there, I had a freshman group of guys uh, that I work with, you know, as an academic counselor. And I won't mention names now, but I bring a full circle at the end. So from there, I worked a year at Maine. And here, there's another uh, a story of failure, too, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm at Maine for about nine months. I get an opportunity to interview at Michigan State. And at the time, you know, the head coach of Alabama was the head coach of Michigan State. Mm-hmm. So I, I, get a, I get a chance to interview there. And um, I didn't get the job. And the head guy who told me said it was a close decision, but we just needed a guy with a little bit more experience. But, you know, mm-hmm. you did a good job. I'm going to recommend you. And I just took it as a little let down, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. let, me, let me put you softly down. But lo and behold, two weeks later, I got a call from um, a gentleman, Todd Stansberry, who's the AD at Georgia Tech now. He's at the University of Houston, uh, heading up the athletic department. He has strong tech uh, Canadian draw mixed with a little Texas accent. He's uh, like, "Hey, uh-huh. you want to get out the cold?" And I'm like, "Who is this?" Like, and uh, his name was Todd. I just mentioned, but the guy replaced his name was Todd too, and he went to Arizona. So I thought he was joking with me. So I can't really tell you the words that I said on the phone, yeah. right? And yeah. here it was it. It was like an interview opportunity. So uh-huh. I go down to Houston. I interview, I get the job there, and I'm at Houston two years, and then uh, I get an opportunity to go back to the NCAA to um, actually head up the internship program hmm. that I was just a part of three years later. It was one in my wheelhouse, along with uh, the Leadership Institute and other programs that we did. So when it came time to interview with the Chargers, I came out here and I interviewed, and lo and behold, uh, who was one of the players on the Chargers team? One of the guys in my freshman class at the University of Maine. Wow. Maine, Stephen Cooper. And wow. then who was another guy on the team? 
that I just helped as a transfer at University uh, of Houston, a guy named Hannah Milligan. So both of these guys are in the locker room. So when they see me, it's like I got this stamp of approval of yeah. like, hey, man, what? You you interviewing here? Like, man, this guy's the best. You know, help me through college, blah, blah, blah. Wow. And, and sure enough, you know, they hired me. And uh, that was cool, man. It's just, just to think that, you know, that stop in Maine generated that. And then guess who our wide receiver coach is? A guy named Phil McGigan. Guess what? Mm. Here's a freshman on that main team, too. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle, in a sense. But so relationships, right? Relationships, that's the currency. Because since my first job, uh, my first job getting an internship at the university, uh, I mean, at the NCAA, I haven't, I've applied in a sense, but most jobs have been word of mouth. Like I mentioned before, Sean Frazier mm-hmm. deserved me working, told me to have a job opportunity. I did that. Right. That's how I got the main. I interviewed at Michigan State, didn't get it, but word of mouth from a gentleman named Roger Gruders, who passed away a long time ago, uh, called Todd Stansberry and told him, hey, I got a guy for you. Calls me. I'm, I'm in Houston. I'm in Houston. Um, my former supervisor, Rochelle uh, Collins at the time, um, she's calling me and uh, or Rochelle Taylor. And she's calling me, asking me about somebody she thinks that uh, should be a good candidate uh, to fill that position to run the internship program. And I, I was giving her names and then I hung up. And then my wife was like, well, why don't you go for it? And I was like, I didn't even think about that. So I called <laughs> her back and she said, I was thinking about asking you, but, you know, you had such a good situation in Houston going. I ain't think. And mm-hmm. so I interviewed and I got that uh, deal. And then um, at the NCAA, you know, after one of the programs we're running, I'm sitting there with a gentleman named Guy Troop. Um, Guy Troop. Yeah, Guy Troop. And we're just, you know, we're just good friends. We just completed um, a coach's uh, summit. And he says, hey, you still want to do the NFL player engagement thing, the development thing? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. He said, you know, it's 530, 6 o'clock in Indiana. He said, hold on. He calls Ed McGuire because <laughs> it's three hours back. He said, hey, yeah. you're, looking, you're looking for somebody. I got a guy for you. Man, two weeks later, I'm interviewing with the Chargers and, and I'm here. So, yeah. like, I haven't, you know, in a sense, applied for a job since then. So, you talk about relationships. You're talking about who knows you and not just knowing people are getting cards. It goes a long way. So, I, I yeah. tell young professionals all the time, um, be a little bit specific about specific about what it is that you would like to do, yeah. because um, us in our positions, we're more apt to remember that that guy or that young lady that said, "Hey, I want to do this," because mm-hmm. when that job opportunity comes up, that's who you remember, yeah. and that's who you Definitely. say, "Hey." Mm-hmm. How important is discipline to you? Ah, uh, man, uh, it's very important. It's important in a sense, like, um, I look at that word in two ways. A, to grow yourself, to be disciplined, like, you know, like you're, you're disciplined. Like you, you get up every morning, you're doing your push-ups, you're doing your, your podcast and, you know, you're doing your little three motivation. Push-ups. Three push-ups. But hey, those three push-ups are very meaningful, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at them guns. You're doing more than three. <laughs> and, and, and only reason, the only reason 
the reason why I say that is because Matt Judon is always saying, stop doing just three pushups. And I'm like, dude, it's just a prop. It's just a prop. But go ahead. Discipline. <laughs> so uh, that in a sense of like getting up every day to making sure that you're making yourself the best professional that you can in your industry. That's what you do. So that's what I try to make sure that I do. So I'm growing myself, whether it's reading, whether it's interacting with different people, what is um, just listening. Sometimes it goes there. And then discipline in the other sense is it is what I do. Like I'm in a space of player engagement. Um, I see myself as one of the top people in the world that do this. Um, there's other leagues that I think that, NFL, my thought is that NFL is one of the top leagues in the world when it comes to professional sports. And I'm one of the people that are blessed to be one of the 32 people in this position. So why wouldn't I see myself as one of the top people in the world and being able to help others in other industries, other sports um, grow themselves in this space? When I'm listening to you, I'm listening to your words. How important are words to you? Man, words mean a lot. Because you can encourage them. I mean, you think about us. We're just coming off Father's Day. You think about our children. You think about what we can instill in them through our words. And they see our actions. But their words, just simple things. Hey, son, you can do it. Or daughter, I knew you had it in you. Those words. And it's the same thing that we go into our discipline. It's like uh, you you and I always joke about push-ups and stuff. Like I remember telling my son, I said, do you think you can do 50 push-ups? He's like, 50? He's like, I said, you can do it. And I broke it down to him to the point where now he cannot, he, he can get up 35, he can get 35 straight, you know what I'm saying? But he didn't even think he can do 50 total. Mm-hmm. I said, no, man, you can break it down like this, fire like this, and you, you can keep going. And mm-hmm. just that little inspiration of doing things, or, or my daughters, like I got, um, my youngest daughter, she just graduated uh, 2020. Uh, so she's pat, part of this. Like I just said, you know, you're you're part of probably the most special graduating class in our lifetime, and you know, just those words and sharing it like that, like, yeah, you're like the first class graduate virtually, um, all kind of stuff. Like they they won't have they have a different sense of joy and excitement that we had when we walked across the stage and did whatever. They won't ever have that feeling, but they have something else that yeah. none of us will ever have, you know. So, and, and then my oldest daughter, she's a bio pre med major, you know, just about to finish up, you know. So it's words mean a lot. Words mean a lot, you know. We, we, we're married too, you know. We got a special woman in our life that you know we need to build up and, and say different things and and share and you know the words like "I love you," yeah. <laughs> "You can do it, babe." They say that a lot. <laughs> you're beautiful to me you know yeah, things yeah, like that yeah. so yeah I, I like what you're wearing yeah i like what you're wearing <laughs> it looks good <laughs> all right um i know we i know we're getting short on time but we are really it, well you know i i, I want to respect your time because i know how important nah, time we, is man we're man we're good I ain't okay here. There we go. Okay. All right. Well, well, a couple of things I want to ask you. And, and first, you said words are important. You talked about the power of words. I love it. I remember when you said, and you said your son, I remember you watched a video of my son and he was on the wall 
putting a shirt on and you said, I almost did. And I said, no, no, no. So I'm glad you listened to my words and I don't see a video of you trying to put your shirt on doing a push up on the wall. So thank you for listening to my words. But I still may give it a try. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm just building up. It may not be. It may not be the shirt your son have. It might be a little tea. Something is easier to get off. <laughs> but I still Listen, may try it. Arthur, we all have lanes. Stay in yours. Stay in yours. Stay in yours. We do, but every once in a while, you want to see you. if you can reclaim the glory. I, I feel you. I feel you. But at least wait till COVID. Let's get a vaccine. So if you got to go to the doctor, everything will be good. All right. Oh, so so power. So we talked about purpose. You talked about words and I, I think about the power of words. I think about the center of this whole power purpose system. When you think about power and you think about fear, how do you tackle fear? How do you ta- I know you said just do it. But how do you tackle fear? What are some things that you've been fearful of and you did it anyway? Man, uh, I remember the first time I played football, man, I quit. Mm. Mm. You know, I mean, I hate to say I quit, but that's basically what I did. You know, um, I didn't like to tackle. <laughs> but you play safety? Deion Sanders. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, you know, nothing like that because, you know, you know, uh, Deion, they talk about, but oh, he for day, yeah. oh, he for now, yeah. He brought me into the ground. He oh, yeah, brought me oh, yeah. into the ground when he needed to. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. So, um, <laughs> it was one of those things, and I think that's probably the first time I go back to when we started uh, the, the podcast talking about uh, nothing beats failure but a try. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I didn't necessarily like the contact when I first started. Um, but I, I grew into it. I grew to mm. understand that I was, that was part of the sport to the point yeah. where I was pretty, I was pretty light going into college. I was a little guy. Right. But everybody said, man, you would come up and hit anybody. And I was like, yeah. because that's, that's what the job requires. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to put yeah. some rocks in my pocket to make sure other people <laughs> got down, but you know, I didn't mind doing it. But, uh, now, uh, with fear, uh, I try not let fear paralyze me in a way where I don't take an action. One of the things you can do is acknowledge that you do have that fear. As you get older or wiser now, you can acknowledge and say, hey, this is a challenge for me or I am fearful of this. And you can name it and you can speak it. So then you can find ways to address it. Um, I think that's that goes a long way for me to say, hey, um, you know, maybe I'm scared to ask for this raise. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, and writing it out and supporting yourself to the point where y- you can see yourself um, giving it a try and putting yourself in a position so that you can do that. So that's um, that's addressing the fear. And then the power is uh, just within yourself. You know, identifying your strengths as a person. I think one of the strengths I do have is I'm able to build relationships. And I mean, you think about us, we've been friends for <laughs> a long time. Since, since, since six, 16 years. So go ahead. <laughs> six, 16, 16 years. And, yeah. um, you know, whether we talk to each other every day or don't talk to each other, we pick up from maybe sometimes where we lock, left off or something that's in the moment. 
um, but we have a genuine relationship. And I try to show myself as genuine as I can, um, because when you meet me, you're getting the real me. Um, you're not getting necessarily the one uh, Arthur Hightower is, you know, with the charges. I'm going to be the same guy with or without the charges. You know, yeah. I'm going to be the same guy, um, you know, living in California, not living in California. I mean, you, you're getting authentic me. Uh, when you meet me. So I think that goes a long way as far as like recognizing what my power is. Yeah. I seen on social media, it was a person who took a picture with you and they were so excited and they said, you know, Arthur Hightower, you know, the San Diego Chargers player person. And it was funny because they then said he's such a cool guy. And I think everybody who knows you know, that's what we get. We get author who will will help you, who will support you, who will do whatever he can to make sure you're in a better place. So I thank you for that, brother. Um, what's a book or a movie that changed your life that had a big impact on you? Because you talked about that word impact. What's a book or a movie? Mine is The Matrix, Red or Blue Pill. OK, obviously, you know, you read the, the Bible for daily inspirations. You yes. know, nothing like a psalm and a proverb, you know, um, to start your day. Uh, but this book right here. Oh, I, yeah. I listened to it. Yeah, man. I was in I was in college and a good friend of my um, mom's. He gave it to me to read and, and I saw the head and then I booked that for a long time. I was like, man, I'm already in college. I'm reading enough. Last thing I want to do is read this book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Babylon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I started reading it, man, and I couldn't put it down. You know, it taught me about, you know, the whole thing about money and uh, when I, <clears throat> and it, it, it gave me a different view of things. As a matter of fact, you know, this is my kids copy. So I <laughs> bought them all copies mm-hmm. uh, to be able to read it. So that is something that obviously struck a chord with me. The one that I can remember off the top of my top of my head, man, that anytime, as a matter of fact, I buy uh, copies of this for all my rookies every year, mm. you know, because they're in a position where they're making more income at this age than probably some of their parents in some cases have made in their lifetime to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you want them to be wise about um, their opportunity that they have and just you know, leave the game with some principles <clears throat> around uh, finances. So. Definitely. And I I love that you do that because we've seen billionaires and we've seen people with no money, but happiness is within. Right. And so when we're talking about money, where's the happiness coming from? Is it with the the car you buy? Is it this or is it being able to want, like you said, have impact with it? Right. And so I love that you mentioned that book. Um, What is it about money? What is it about money that you've taken from that book? Um, it's just a matter of like, um, how you look at it, to be honest, you know, it's like, um, I don't necessarily need it to be happy in a sense. I'm not chasing a dollar. I'm not doing all that. Um, but I'm being a wise steward, uh, the finances that I do have, um, mm-hmm. and what it provides for and the principles around it. Um, because like I tell you, my greatest currency is my relationships, if you think about it, like in this position, you know, I, I know millionaires, 
I may even know a billionaire, um, you know, thousandaires, you know, you know, a whole lot of people. But your currency is sometimes able to pick up your phone and be able to reach out and somebody pick it up on the other end. You know, that's enough respect that they have for you. Uh, Money can't necessarily buy that in a sense. You know, money doesn't buy somebody picking up the phone. Money doesn't buy somebody willing to do something for you. Money doesn't buy me the opportunity to, you know, be. I mean, I'm your first guest, man. Uh, you, you are. You, you, you've encountered a lot of people. You know a lot of influential people, man. And you you allow me to be the honor of your first guest in a Purpose Lab, man. The Purpose Lab probably, you know, going to blow up and I'm going to be able to say, man, I am. I was the very first guest. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. Here it is. Right here. <laughs> yes, I was at the Purpose Lab first guest now. How about that? Hey, listen, I couldn't have asked for a better guest because... The relationships that you continuously talk about and we think about what's going on in the world right now. The most important being on this planet is the human being. Right. And so when you're able to develop those relationships with people who look the same as you, people who look different than you, people who have less than you, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And so for you to be on this and and, and to accept the call, as soon as I sent you the email, you responded back. And I was so honored to have you respond back because, like I said, it's 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 the spirit that I feel with you. I knew some of the words that you would say, not all of it, because our alignment is so intact. And so I just appreciate you. I appreciate the person you are. I don't know how your wife can stand you all this year, but <laughs> I appreciate. Hey, I want you to appreciate me enough. That you put my name on the back of your personalized tags of that nice car you drove. <laughs> I did not car you drive because we sat down, we talked about that. <laughs> so, so here's what's funny. No, 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 no. Here's what's funny. I had never, for those of you listening, my dream car was a Tesla. And I had never test drove him. When I went to go visit Arthur, he said, wait, this your dream car? You never test drove? You never seen one? I said, well, I seen it online and everything. He said, oh, hold on. And he took me to the dealership and had me sit in it, took pictures of me because we're visual. So I looked at it and um, and we talked about it. And, and, and so when I was able to get it, he was the first person that I called and said, Arthur, man, I got it. I got it. But the license plate would say your name, but it says purpose. But it would say Arthur Hightower. I promise you. But it was already taken. It was all, you know how you, you know how it's already on it, you know. And I tried to spell it different ways, but it was already taken. That's all it was. I, I appreciate purpose. Purpose, purpose goes with, okay. with, with Dr. Arnold. Yeah. Okay. That's maybe right, maybe I can right? go A high. T- I, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Now you didn't busted me out. So I got to figure it out. <laughs> All right, so look, I want to ask you this, and um, and I know you said we got all the time in the world, and but but we're just gonna bring you back because I'm know my audience is gonna gravitate towards this podcast because of everything that you're talking about. But here it is: two things. First thing is who inspires you and why. I know you. I know it, man. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. Who inspires me and why? Um, <clears throat> now, I, I, you know, I want to say, you know, my parents inspire me, man. 
Um, they do. They give me inspiration. Um, you know, I'll start with them. I think a lot of people inspired me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, I can't really just pinpoint it to one. And I think that's, you know, what was so tough about that question because there's a lot of people that play a, yeah. a part in who you are. You know, I think about, you know, my parents divorced when I was a young age, but them still taking a part and, and raising me. You know, my mom, my formative years, and then moving with my dad, high school years, um, you know, did a big part. You know, you know, my wife being there from <laughs> when we got married, man, I was a graduate school student delivering flowers, you know, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> you know, and, and sticking with me, you know, knowing yeah. that, you know, I had this vision. Yeah. And she stuck <laughs> the with vision. it. The, the vision. So, uh, uh, I, I would say, you know, those go a long way. Maybe it was so hard for you to figure it out because it was a bunch of people who played a role in who you are. And so, absolutely, man. I mean, it's just like you look at your body. I got eyes, I got nose, I got mouth, I got ears, I got hands, I got fingers, I got toes, I got feet. You know, it, it, all of it makes up your total body, man. So it's just hard to really just say, um, just for me anyway, uh, yeah. just just one person. I mean, some people might be able to say one person, but for me, I mean, I mean, I just went to the funeral of my college coach, um, mm. my first college coach, man. He gave a skinny kid from Rochester, New York, opportunity to play Division One football, man. And you know, I, I was loving for that. Um, yeah. And my other head coach that gave me an opportunity, just made a phone call, man. To give me an opportunity to, to to start my career in sports, man. I you know I'm always gonna love them for that. You know, Ken Riley and Billy Joe. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, so here go the last question I have for you. If you can go back and tell your younger self some things that you know now that you wish you would have known then, what is something that you would tell them? Man, this gonna feed right into your show, bro. Like everything, <laughs> everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose, man. Everything that you do, you you may not realize it there in that moment, but everything you do has a purpose. It is it's something that's gonna come full full circle down the line for you. Uh, especially you putting your heart, your sweat, uh, your mind to it. Um, it's something gonna come out of that each and every time. I want to thank our first guest, Arthur Hightower. And and I, I can't say this enough, that we're on a mission to interview the world's most successful failures in everything that he talked about. Everything that he said brought it back to purpose. And realizing that it's never happening to you, it's happening for you. And those relationships that we build each and every day, they help us to ultimately be in alignment with our purpose. And so I'm inspired. I'm inspired by those key concepts, the things that his mother told him that he still lives by to this day. So I like to say to Arthur Hightower, you truly are living your purpose. And as I always say in closing, you are the plug and you get to choose what you plug into. Be powered by purpose. Purpose.